So, what is on your list? I know you might have many lists, but what is on your list for what you're looking for in a, in a significant other? You can shout them out at me. What's on your list? What are some things you're looking for? Loyalty. That's a good one. What else? I heard one over here. No one else got anything? What about height, right? Maybe it's like, girls is like, it's, he's got to be taller than me. Guys, maybe you're like, she's got to be shorter than me. Guys are like, hey, she's got to be shorter than me. If you're a short guy, it's kind of hard, right? So, um, Maybe it's uh, she has blonde hair, green eyes, so she loves cats, she'll watch anime with you, she'll play video games with you, right? You might have all those preferences. Um, but as we get into this series called Non-Negotiables, I do want to make it clear that there is, there's a list of preferences that we can have, height, um, all these other things, watching anime with you, video games. And there's a list of non-negotiables that are completely different, right? So there's things that this could be okay to have, would prefer this. If they don't, it's okay. There's also a list of this has to be a thing. Um, so I'll share with you guys a list of my non-negotiables. I remember going through this when I was in the dating process decades ago, what it feels like now. Um, so here's a list of some of my non-negotiables. Number one, Christian and lives that way, right? That's number one for me. Um, there were many times where I'd go out, meet a girl, and I was like, hey, you know, your, your dating profile said you're a Christian. That's cool. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And they're like, well, I believe in Jesus. And I'm like, oh, you go to church? What church you go to? No, they don't. And I'm like, oh, oh, what about you? I'm like, oh, I want to be a youth pastor. And they're like, ooh, you mean you're really a Christian? Oof. And then, you know, from there, it's kind of like, I just got to go through the process, buy her to the launch, and then... We'll be friends, maybe, right? And so the second one was edgy. Couldn't come up with a better word for this, but basically I just wasn't going wasn't gonna to be with a basic girl, all right? You see me, I got a nose ring, I got tattoos. That's not for me. Fair, right? All right, and the third one, attractive. I know you might be thinking, Rousey, that's real shallow of you. But I don't also mean physically, I mean emotionally. Emotionally attractive um, because there's many times where I'd meet a girl and then just be like, your personality is real nasty and it doesn't matter how good you look, you just are ugly to me now right? So real shallow, real real. But this is really what my non-negotiables were. This was my list. If you were to ask Sarah what her list was, it's like this long. We can't go through it today. Um, so you might have some non-negotiables with you. Maybe you've never thought about it, like the girl in the intro video, where you're just like, I've never made a non-negotiable. I've never made a list before about this. So I might urge you to go ahead and go for that. Start making lists. Start thinking about what your list was include. And so as we go through this non-negotiable series, um, this week, we're going to be talking about our priorities and what our priorities are in making this list and what our non-negotiables are. Um, and so the first verse that I want to go to is 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. It'll be the first one we go to. So I'll give you guys some time to go through there if you guys have your phones or if you guys have paperback Bibles. But notice less paperback Bibles now that we don't have Bibles out here for you guys. It's just an observation. Let's go ahead and read this. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Bilal? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. All right. 
And so the first thing that I want to tackle here is from the very beginning of the verse. So we'll go back to the beginning piece. Is what is being equally yoked? Has anyone ever heard being equally yoked before? A couple of people have. It's kind of a Christian term or a church term, if you've ever heard that. Um, I know I didn't grow up in the church, so the first time I heard this, I was like, youth pastor, the only time I've ever heard the word yoke is when we're talking about eggs. What are you talking about? Being equally yoked together? I was like, okay, let me, let me try and draw this analogy out here. Fried eggs, scrambled eggs. I don't know, man, they'll still kind of go together. And I was like, maybe the runniness of the eggs, right? Like you crack the egg open and then the yolk's everywhere. And then you still got scrambled eggs and you got yolk everywhere. And I was like, I guess this is kind of messy now. But then I really just like to dip my hash browns in it, you know? Wiggle that around in there. And I was like, this isn't, this is, I was like, Paul, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Um, and then finally, someone, many years later, finally described this to me. It's a farming term, was what yoked means. So a yoke, we'll go ahead and put a picture up here, is a, a strong wooden beam um, that's going to be used to hold two oxen together, right? And so as you can see, it locks them in together so they can go stride and stride with each other. And what they're doing, a farmer's doing, is they're using this to help steer the plow so that they can plow their whole field. And so what he means by being unequally yoked is if I put a donkey on one side and an ox on the other, right? The ox is obviously going to outpower the donkey, right? And so it's going to, when they're trying to steer, no matter how hard you're trying to steer it back onto the path, that ox is going to keep overpowering the donkey and it's never going to stay on path. It's always going to keep churning, right? It didn't matter what you put over there. If it was another ox, if it was a baby ox, if it was a Robsy, I definitely can't push a plow through the dirt as well as an ox can, right? So it would just keep churning, keep churning. And so that's what Corinthians here are making the analogy, the drawing from this, right? They know a lot more about farming than they do. We do. It's a lot more part of their lives. And so they're seeing this and they're thinking, yes, unequally yoked means that you had something smaller trying to push the same way, trying to go straight down a path, but it's always veering off the path. And no matter how hard this donkey tries, it's never going to be able to keep up with that ox. So that's what Paul's telling the Corinthians here is don't be unequally yoked with somebody. Don't be with somebody that has such a bigger non-belief than your faith that they're going to keep steering you off the path. You are yoked together, right? So he's talking about marriage. Or don't be unequally yoked in the sense that your faith is so big and this person's faith is nothing that you're overpowering them and you're leading off the path. And so Paul's writing to these people saying this because in this time in Corinth, there's a lot of false teachers here, and that's what he kind of addressed in the first, the first letter. And basically, the false teachers are trying to undermine Paul's authority over the church, and they're trying to take over the church for themselves. Because you see what's happening in Corinth is they are very confused about sex, right? And so teachers there are saying, it doesn't matter, do whatever you want. Go be with whoever you want. It's okay to be together. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Do not be unequally yoked. That's not what the Bible is telling us. That's not what God's people has for us. That's why he calls us his sons and daughters, that God is with you. And so Paul uses a lot of, a lot of analogies here in that first part. He says for believers not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. He says that righteousness should not be in fellowship with wickedness. Light has nothing in common with darkness. You think about it. You have a dark room. You put a light in there. The darkness scatters to the corners, that they can't mix, that Christ has no harmony with Bilal, or your translation might even say Satan, 
that a believer has nothing in common with an unbeliever. And as we were going through some of our preferences, right, they kind of went to something that we share in common with them. The temple of God has no agreement with idols, and we, the sons and daughters of the living God, the temple of the Almighty, should purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. So that's what Paul's telling us about here. So when we're making our list of non-negotiables, we need to be able to keep 2 Corinthians in mind, keep this in the back of our mind. And so how does this apply to our lives? What are we going to do with this? Don't worry, I'll tell you. You guys don't have to answer there. All right. So you should be able to ask this question. Are you a Christian? It's probably one of the best things you can do. Are we going in the same direction spiritually? Or is one stronger than the other and going to lead me off the path? We need to be able to ask ourselves these questions. And so when we're talking about this being unequally yoked, talking more about the backbones of the faith, probably a little bit of the ribs, right? And that's using a little bit more Christian terms. So what I'm talking about is, what do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe he's 100% God, 100% man? Do you believe he was just a man? Do you believe he was just a prophet? Do you think he's just a made-up Bible character? What do you guys agree on this? What do you, guys, what do you think about the Bible? Is it 100% true? Is it the Word of God? Is it just a moral story that is used to control people? What do you believe about eternity? Is there eternity? Is it just here? Are we just a bunch of atoms? What do you believe about right and wrong, heaven and hell? Like, these are all some questions you're going to need to be able to answer to see if you guys are equally yoked. Because the worst thing that can happen is you settled for somebody who's not equally yoked with you. And then later on in life becomes more struggle, becomes more strife to go into it. More strain on the relationship. And God, he wants us to guard ourselves from this, right? And that's why Proverbs says this. It says to guard your, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Right? Kevin said this the last couple weeks. You put garbage in, you, you get garbage out, right? That's what God's telling. Protect your heart from these people. And so when we talk about being equally yoked, you might think, well, Robsy, I'm not married. I'm just dating. Yes, but this is one, this is kind of practice for marriage. You're kind of filling yourself out. You're learning. But also God is telling you here to protect your heart. Guard your heart from this. Don't let this garbage come in so that in your marriage, garbage comes back out. All right? Also, a lot of people have this idea, and it comes probably from well-intentioned idea, that, well, Robsy, if I date her, or if I date him, I'm going to bring him to Crave. Kevin's going to say some magical words on stage. Sorry, guys, you guys got Robsy today. You can get Kevin. So you're going to get the magical words, right? And they're going to, you're going to, you're going to turn him into a Christian, right? It's called ministry dating or uh, missionary dating. Don't do it. It's a terrible idea. It's a terrible, terrible idea. Actually, pro tip, everybody, this is just a pro tip for everybody in the room, Christian or not. Never go into a relationship thinking you are going to fix them. Never go into a relationship thinking you are going to fix them. You might be able to change some behavioral issues that they have, but you're never going to change their heart. You can't do that. That's God. That's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's work, not yours, to change someone's heart. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about me trying to do missionary dating, right? So I went out to a Newfound Glory concert. I know I'm old. I listen to Newfound Glory. Um, and there was a girl standing next to me, and I was like, oh, she's pretty cute. And then I went over to the merch table, and there she was again. 
And I went back to my spot, and there she is again. So naturally, I turn to my friend and say, hey, you should talk to her friend, right? So we start talking, blah, 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 forward, forward. Um, hey, you should text me sometime. Oh, I don't have your number. Oh, well, here's my number, right? Smooth move. You guys can take that one home. Full service ministry. Um, and then we get to talking, we start dating, and I never asked any questions. I never said, what do you believe about God? What is your view on Christianity, Right? And so what ends up happening is I find out through these, through we're talking and going through all these motions that she's not a Christian. And I'm like, oh, pfft, whatever. I'm already like knee deep in this relationship. So I'll just, I'll just convert her to Christianity. I'll show her the word of God, show her the truth, find, just let her show her the joy of Christ. And then she'll turn into a Christian and then we'll get married and happy ever after. As you can tell, that's not how the story went. Um, what really ended up happening was I put myself in situations to sin more often. I caused more strain on our relationship because she would just ask me Bible questions. She's like, well, the Bible says just to use all the herbs in the ground, so why can't you smoke weed? And I was like, you're taking verses out of context all the time. What are you doing? No, it's not what it says. And I just felt like I was like an apologetics 101 class. And I was consistently having to look up answers. I was consistently having to defend my faith against her. And generally what ended up happening is every time she would speak to me, I just felt like she didn't trust anything I was saying. I just felt like it wasn't good enough or that she would always have some kind of rebuttal against it. And so then it just caused all this tension in our relationship and it just kept causing fights. Um, so I do not recommend ministry dating. Um, what I can tell you is that when you're in a ministry dating aspect, it's going to be easier for you to put down your own cross and serve yourself than it is for you to convince somebody else to pick up their cross and follow Jesus. And so when we're talking about unequally yoked, this doesn't mean that we now put ourselves on a pedestal and that we are going to now look down at people and say, you do not meet my standards, peasant. Right? You don't follow the Bible. You don't believe the things that I do. So I'm going to look down on you. Actually, all of my friends, we are unequally yoked. Get away from me. No, that's not what it's saying. That's not what unequally yoked means. We're really practically talking about dating relationships here, being in a relationship with somebody. Um, and even Proverbs 13.20 says this. It says to surround ourselves. There you go. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harms. Basically, it's saying just surround yourself with wise people. Don't surround yourself with a bunch of fools. If you surround yourself with a bunch of fools, you're pouring garbage, yet yeah, trash, in, and you're getting garbage out. You guys are just full of energy today. Love it. Um, so we're called to live in this world. We're not called to be a part of this world, right? We're supposed to be aliens in this world. Um, so friendships with unbelievers, that's great. Jesus did that. Jesus went and saw the sinners. He sat and ate with the sinners. What Paul's telling us here is don't have that relationship with somebody like that. Because once intimacy is involved, it becomes a lot harder to share the gospel with them. And so here's some things I want to do for you guys. I want to give you guys some action steps. So if you're a note taker, here you go. You got some notes. If you're not a note taker, you should probably write these down anyway. So this way in five years, you can look back and you'd be like, wow, what good advice I didn't follow. <laughs> right. And so the first one, whether you're a Christian or not, you should do this. Figure out your priorities. Figure out your priorities. If you're a Christian, I hope it's Jesus. I hope Jesus is your number one priority. If it's not Jesus, then I would say work on that. 
work on yourself. Work on your relationship with Jesus. Because if that's not right, then trying to pour and be with somebody else, into somebody else, it's just going to be more and more complicated. Right? You're not going to be able to give everything you're going to be able to give. Are you even ready for a relationship? Do you have too many things going on? If you're not right with Jesus, then probably you're probably not ready for a relationship. Are you mentally or emotionally ready for a relationship yet? Do your parents say you're ready for a relationship? I would always consult your parents, right? Or do you even have time for the relationship? There's so many things going on right now, right? Schoolwork, it's out the wazoo with all the internet stuff. Um, sports, coming to Crave, friends, socializing, playing video games, right? There's a lot of things that take up your time. And so having a significant other is going to take up even more time. Um, so figure out what your priorities are before you get into a relationship. Secondly, make sure you ask questions. Ask questions. Within the first three dates, or while you guys are just talking, or you're just vibing, or whatever you guys call it now, um, ask questions. And I don't mean just like, what's your favorite color? Orange. What's your favorite fruit? Orange. And you're like, wow, you really like oranges. I guess like every birthday and Valentine's Day and Christmas, I'm just going to get you a basket of oranges. How easy is that? Um, right? That's a real basic level of knowing somebody. Get to know what they are, who they are. Figure out what their priorities are. Figure out, is Jesus number one for them? And if it's not, then you're going to have a conflict of priorities here. Um, I'll tell you guys this. With, in the, what was it, like the first or second date with Sarah, just sat in her apartment, and we just talked about life. It wasn't some fancy thing. We didn't have a bunch of candles going everywhere. It was just like, hey, so tell me about your walk with Jesus. Like, what was your testimony? That's awesome. Here's my testimony. Hey, um, so like, what was it like with your family growing up? Like, what was your relationship with your parents? What are your goals in life? What kind of things are you striving for? We just sat and talked five hours, just sitting there talking. There wasn't music. There wasn't a TV show in the background. Just talking, just asking questions, getting to know each other. And I'd say that's probably one of the strongest things we did. Like, we went to marriage count or premarital counseling, and they were like, make sure you guys have talked about all this stuff. And I was like, bro, we did that in the second date. Five hours of just talking, you know? So I think that helped us out a lot, and I think that's what helped us have a, a healthier marriage going into it. Um, and then also, ask yourself this question. Is this person going to pick me up when I stumble? Or is this person going to hold me down? Or is this person going to be the one who tripped me in my walk with Jesus? Um, I think that's a, a fair question to ask yourself. Do you feel like this person is going to improve your walk with Jesus, or do you think this is going to be an obstacle that you're going to hurdle? And why would you put an obstacle between you and Jesus? And the third one, probably the most important one, is remember who your God is. Remember who your God is. Remember that he provides for the birds. He provides for the flowers. No one has to help the flowers grow. They just grow. God provides for them in the same way God wants to provide for you. And that eternal life starts now. It's not when you get to heaven, but eternal life starts now, and God is going to try and provide for you. He's going to try and provide for all of your needs. Right? And when we start, start, start trying to grab onto other things, grab onto girls, we try to grab onto boys, we try to grab onto lust. We're just searching for eternal life, but God's already provided that for us. 
So remember who your God is. And it's unhealthy for us to try and date somebody just because we're lonely. It's unhealthy for us to try and date somebody just because our friends think we're a cute couple or make you more popular or because you just feel more committed to them. It's unhealthy to do these things. And I know that because I've done all of those things. I dated a girl because I was lonely. What that led to was sin. What that led to was a broken relationship with me and her. It led to her probably getting a bad view of what a Christian person treats a girlfriend. And also, I lost friends. Right? So sins have consequences. It's unhealthy for us to do this. And I dated a girl because my friends were like, hey, you and, you and Samantha would be cute. And I was like, okay. Um, we just stopped talking to each other. Never officially broke up. So might still have a girlfriend out there somewhere. No, I'm just kidding. She's like married and has kids now. It's fine. <laughs> um, and then I also dated a girl for six more months just because I felt more committed to her. I've been in a relationship with her for two years. And I felt God saying, it's, this is over. Like, you've, you've held on to this relationship for way longer than you should have. But I was like, no, God, what if I just never get another chance at this? What if no one else ever thinks I'm cute enough? What if I just never find anybody else that I know on this level that I've already known this girl for two years? It took me six months to get over that. And you know what? During that six months, I knew that I was just looking God in the face and saying, I'm never going to get another chance. God, that you can't provide my needs right now. So I'm going to take care of it myself. You know what? When you put those words, that's pretty disrespectful to God, isn't it? To his character. And deep down, I knew all those times when I was disrespecting who God is as a person. So remember who your God is. Remember Yahweh, the Lord. He will provide for you in all your needs. Sarah sent me this quote on Instagram, and I think it fits very well with this sermon. Finding someone is easy, but finding the right someone the right way is not easy. There you go. If you want to look him up, you can. Finding someone is easy, but finding the right someone the right way is not. So when we're looking for a relationship with somebody, when we're looking for dating or talking to somebody, and it's going to be easy to find someone who also wants attention. It's going to be easy just to find anybody. But finding someone the right way is going to be hard. So it's not just going to be you're going to swipe right on Tinder and then it's happily ever after, right? It's going to have to be trifles. There's going to be struggles in between. She might break up with you three times. You might ask her to be your girlfriend and then she's like, maybe later. It's going to be hard. But God calls us his sons and he calls us his daughters. And he's adopted us so that we don't have to be lonely. So we don't have to feel that, right? His love is enough for us. And we don't have to try and fill that God-sized hole of love with just anybody. Because he told us, I will live with them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. God, I love that. So you don't just have to settle for anybody, right? We can go out, we can date. It's great. Love it. Learn. 
but make sure you have your priorities straight. Make sure you put your values up front. You say, this is what I'm going to do, and these are my non-negotiables. And so I hope for you guys that at the end of this, your non-negotiables at least start like this, that their intentions will be to build you up in Christ, that they'll pick you up when you stumble, and that, guys, you'll be able to present the woman spotless and blameless before God as Jesus did the church. And if I was a lady, I would hold that standard and I wouldn't go for anything less.